0: listening to a sermon from Sojourn Church in Fairfax, Virginia. We hope that this is an encouragement to you no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey. If you're not already, we would encourage you to connect to your local church. If you'd like to find out more about Sojourn in particular, please visit our website at sojournfairfax.com. May God bless you now as you listen to the preaching of his word.
1: Tonight's message is from Luke 2, 22 through 35. And When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses... They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtledoves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him.
0: I know how to do this at 10, but I'm not so sure how to do it at 4. I'm a little out of my routine here. All right. We are um, excited to have an Advent series. I, um, I'm i a late arriver to the Advent idea and a grateful one. And uh, actually, what a wonderful opportunity to be together on the Lord's Day. As we were singing that last song, I just... I don't know what happens, but sometimes when we come together in worship and I close my eyes and I start to sing, my mind just fills with all kinds of criticism and dark thoughts. And I don't know what happens, if it's the enemy, it's the flesh, but um, what a wonderful reflection. Just my, I'm, my mind is filling with all these critical thoughts of myself and other people, and to think this overwhelming mercy of our great God. And what a gift to be able to get together and um, or do this together online and be able to sing together. And so um, I, I love the Lord's Day. And for most of my Christian experience, um, Christmas is obviously a big deal, as, as Easter is t- is too. But sort of the, the Advent lead-up to Christmas, in our family, we didn't make a big deal out of it. And in our uh, church, we typically haven't done a whole lot with it. But these last three years, we've done an Advent series. And I just found it so... Um, helpful and edifying to my own soul to have this on-ramp to Christmas and uh, to, to have this season of reflection on the Incarnation. It's been very encouraging uh, just to be able to slow down and in the midst of all that's going on to seek to really be in awe of King Jesus. And I came across this phrase this week. It's the idea of developing an incarnational imagination. And that's what we're really trying to do here. We want to develop an incarnational imagination. We, with God's help, we want to see the staggering mystery and the glory of God the Son becoming the Son of Mary. There's no greater miracle in all of creation and all of history than the incarnation. And oh, that the eyes of our hearts might have some glimpse of this great Jesus, as we'll sing in a moment, born a child and yet a king and so uh, may this Advent series be uh, an, an, an opportunity for an incarnational imagination to just deepen and, and, and take further root in each one of us and this series, Justin and I have worked on this uh, together and it's been inspired uh, by a new book called 40 Favorite Hymns for the Christian Year by one of my favorite writers. Leland Ryken, and the book goes through different sections uh, or seasons of the Christmas of the, the, the year, and has hymns for different occasions. But there's a section on Christmas, and uh, so that was kind of the idea behind this series. So I have an extra copy. Of this is this anybody's birthday today? Any birthdays? Yesterday? Tomorrow? Okay, who's got a birthday close to now? November birthday? When's your birthday? November 24, can anybody beat that? Okay, happy birthday. I'm only inhaling as I'm walking over there, by the way. Okay. Um, So, here's how this is gonna work. Um, We are, we're not actually preaching the hymns. We preach the Word. Um, but we are going to preach texts that connect with these hymns. Texts that were probably inspirational to the, to the authors of, of these hymns. And what we hope will happen is, we hope the Scriptures will take root in your hearts. And we also hope that as we sing these songs through this month, that these, these are songs with a long shelf life. And we hope that they will um, become more deeply rooted in your heart and meaningful to you. Justin and I are going to share the preaching, kind of like we did with the Kingdom Citizens series. Um, I'm going to do weeks one and four, and he's going to do weeks two and three. And then um, Christmas Eve, which is the only joint meeting that we're going to be doing, um, Justin is going to preach that one too. And um, for Christmas Eve, uh, remember, we do need to register ahead of time for that. We're going to have two services. And so um, please go ahead and and do that. hope you can come then. So today uh, the title of the, the sermon is Come Now Long Expected Jesus. This was a, a hymn that was uh, written by Charles Wesley. It's celebrating his 276th birthday this year. It was written in 1744. And the um, key verses that we're going to focus on today are these verses 29 through 32 in Luke chapter 2. Kylia read the surrounding section so that we could Um, Get the context of it And so as I jump into now um, Opening up this passage of scripture Would you pray with me please Oh God as we gather here This afternoon We pray That you would let us see Your salvation Simeon declared Now I have seen your salvation And he saw it not in an idea But in a person In King Jesus And I pray that with the eyes of our hearts, we might see your salvation today. I pray, Holy Spirit, for a work of illumination. I pray for a work of seeing in our hearts to grasp and be grasped by the glories of Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man. I pray that we might be inspired by Simeon's example. And I pray this Advent season, there would be a dawning, a sunrise in our hearts of joy from seeing and delighting in and hoping for the return of King Jesus. Amen. So, Friday, day after Thanksgiving, I was working out in the yard, and a um, young guy uh, on his bike rode by, and he was saying to his friend, He said, When we get a vaccine, the first thing we need to do is take a vacation, right? And I was like, yeah, that's right. That's a, good, that's a good thing to hope for. And I know there are a lot of amens to that. But he's hoping for a vaccine. And he's hoping for a vacation. And that's how hope works, isn't it? You don't hope for something that you already have. You hope for something that's in the future. But sometimes, in order to grow in hope in the future, we need to look back. And that's what we want to do today. We need to examine our hopes, because sometimes we put our hopes in things that don't deliver. Sometimes we put our hopes in things that disappoint. So what are, as you sit here this, this, this afternoon, what are your hopes? What are you looking forward to? What are your dreams? What are those, those desires that you have of things that, that, that might come about in the future? What we want to do this this afternoon is we're going to look back at this old song and we're going to look back at this older text in order to grow in a hope that doesn't disappoint. So I want to begin by reading the first verse of Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. And as I read it, I want to ask you to think about how Wesley wrote this song and what is the position, what is the situation of the person singing this song. Listen to the words. Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Can you see the position, the situation of the person who's singing this song? First of all, it's a prayer, isn't it? Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, Release us. There are requests in this song. It's also a petition to the Messiah, Come thou long-expected Jesus. But there's more going on than that. It's somebody who's anticipating the arrival of the Lord. Leland Ryken helped me sort of unlock this hymn when he said this. He said, This hymn adopts the strategy of placing us in the position of Old Testament believers, who knew the promises of a coming Messiah, and longed for fulfillment of those promises. Now. This is, a, this is a song, it's sort of like on the other side of Christmas, anticipating Christmas, right? So why would we as Christians, why would we sing a song like that? It's kind of out of order, isn't it? Why would we do that? We live on the other side of that heaven, why would we sing this way? And I think there are two good reasons to sing this way. First, when we sing this way, come thou long-expected Jesus. Born to set thy people free. When we sing this way, and we have this this build-up to Christmas Day, what it does is it awakens in us the joy and the staggering miracle that Christmas is when God the Son became one of us. And so there's this sort of reliving of that first incarnation every church calendar year when when we come into this incarnation, Advent season. Second, we are actually in exactly the same position as Simeon, we're studying here today, and all the Old Testament saints in the sense that you and I are waiting for the advent of the Lord Jesus, aren't we? Aren't you waiting for the Lord's arrival on earth? I am. That's my great hope. We're waiting for the kingdom of God to appear fully. We're waiting when the not yet of the kingdom is swallowed up by the now. Now. And so, this is the situation that we, we find ourselves in, and this is sort of the, the harmony and the connection point that we have with Simeon. We're both looking forward to the appearing of the Lord Jesus on earth. And so today, I, and very simply, this is what I have to say. Jesus is worth waiting for. And Simeon shows us how. That's the big idea. That's sort of the main thing I, I, I want to express to you, that I, I, I think this text Is opening up for us. Simeon gives us this wonderful example of what it looks like to wait for the Lord Jesus. So Simeon teaches us several things. First, Simeon teaches us to wait because God keeps His promises. Wait because God keeps His promises. So here's the setting. The setting of this passage is in the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus' parents, Joseph and Mary, if you remember the story, they weren't from Bethlehem, they were from Nazareth, but they had to travel to Bethlehem because there was a census. And while they're there in Bethlehem, Mary gives birth to Jesus. Well, now they have to travel to, not Nazareth, but to Jerusalem, because as, as pious and, and, and godly followers of Yahweh, there are Laws that they need to abide by that require them coming to the temple. There are laws of purification. There's a law for dedicating a firstborn son. And so they arrive at the temple carrying their son, and they don't know it, but there's someone there waiting for them. A guy they've never met. His name is Simeon. And Luke tells us a couple things about Simeon that are important. First, he says, Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel. That word consolation means comfort. He's waiting for the comfort of Israel. I wonder what that could be. We'll we'll see that in a moment. Second, we're told that Simeon has been told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he got to see the Lord's Christ. The Holy Spirit is really active in Luke 1-2. There's angels, there's the Holy Spirit all over the place. Something new is happening on earth. And the Holy Spirit has told Simeon, you're going to be alive until you get to see the one who is salvation, until you get to see the Lord's Christ, the Lord's Messiah. Third, when Simeon has the baby in his arms, he utters these famous words. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, listen, according to your word. Verse 29, look at that. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace According to your word, Simeon has been waiting. He's been waiting because of the word, he's been waiting because of God's promise. I wonder how long he'd been waiting. I wonder how many days he'd come to the temple wondering Is this the day? I wonder how many times he woke up wondering, Lord, now I wonder how many couples he saw in that courtyard on their way in to the court of the women and, and and then the inner court where those those babies were going to be dedicated I wonder how many times was he is that, is that the one is that a is that a, boy or a girl no not today okay he'd been waiting based on God's word the Holy Spirit is upon him revealing what's about to happen he's a man who has staked his life on the faithfulness of God to keep His promises. I wonder, what are the anchors you're living by today? What are the sure, steadfast hopes that guide your direction, your decisions? Luke paints a picture of a man, Simeon, trusting God's promise. Not just his personal promise that he was going to live to see this child. But the promise, for example, as I mentioned a moment ago, the consolation of Israel.
1: Where does God promise the consolation of Israel? Well, many places. But Isaiah 40, 1 and 2, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. Her iniquity is
0: pardoned. That's the comfort we need, isn't it? She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. That means they're more than paid for. That's the comfort that Israel is hoping for. And Simeon is living in the promise of that comfort. When Simeon speaks, listen to these words. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Do you know if you are steeped in the Old Testament, you've just heard a mashup of a bunch of scriptures. When Simeon talks, the Bible comes out. And so what you just heard in those words, if you go look up Psalm 52:10. Isaiah 49.6, excuse me, Isaiah 52.10, Psalm 92, Isaiah 49.6, you will find all these scriptures in the background. And so what he's been waiting for are these promises. He's been soaking himself in his Bible, and he's come to realize what Jesus would later teach his disciples, is the, the whole Old Testament converges on Jesus. All God's promises find their yes And a man in Christ and Simeon knew that, and he's been waiting with all these scriptures in his head. And then one day he holds the child, and he sees it all coming to pass. I wonder, do you have promises that are anchors for you? As you read your Bible, do you capture those promises? I wonder if you're in need of consolation and comfort today. Can Can I just leave you with one promise? Today, Jesus promises to his people the following, John 14, 16. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, another comforter, a consoler, a prepared And he will be with you, how long? Forever. Are you in need of consolation today? You're not alone. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have the Helper, the Advocate, the Counselor, the Comforter, and He is with you. He is in you, now and forevermore. Bank on that promise. Simeon waits because of God's promises, because he knows God is faithful for, to keep His promises. Simeon also waits, the second thing would be this, he waits for the One who is salvation a picture, try to to imagine this, this scene, incarnational imagination. Imagine Simeon finally holding this baby. Two months old, something like that. He's been promised he would see the Lord's Christ, and now he's holding the Lord's Christ. What is a Christ? Well, for many today, the word Christ is an empty word or a curse word. But in Greek, as you probably know, it means anointed. The Hebrew word is Mashiach, Messiah. The prophets, priests, and kings in Israel were anointed with oil, and so they became known as anointed ones. And so this baby is the Messiah, the Mashiach, the anointed one. And now he's holding this baby, but this baby that he's holding isn't anything special. You couldn't tell this baby apart from any of the other babies. There are no halos, like you see in the artwork. Like, there's no radiant beams from his holy face. He's just a baby. Baby Yoda is cute, looks like a baby, whatever he is, but he's got special powers. Like, he can turn a wall of flame around and make it turn around and go away because he's got two natures. But Jesus Christ does. And his parents bring him to the temple, to dedicate him to the Lord. I, I don't know, but I kind of wonder, when they dedicate him to the Lord, there's sort of this offering up of, here's our firstborn son for you, Lord. I kind of wonder if the Father didn't sort of smile in that moment and say, thanks, you know, we're actually already acquainted. Like eternally triune. It's mind-blowing what is happening here. And his arrival is such good news. It's like the sunrise. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. When we sing day spring up from on high in the hymn, that's this verse, Luke 178. It's the sunrise. And the sunrise of God the Son coming amongst us means salvation is available for all peoples. My eyes have seen your salvation, you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. From our fears and sins release us, we'll sing. How does Jesus accomplish this? How does the one who is salvation bring about release from fears and sins? It's hinted at in Simeon's prophecy. Did you catch what Kailia read at the end? Simeon speaks to Mary and he says, This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. You see that there in verse 34? This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. You see the rejection that will come to him. And then he says, And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Here's a foreshadowing of Jesus' rejection that will result in His crucifixion. We'll sing, come to earth, to taste our sadness. Likely this sword piercing Mary's soul is the excruciating experience of a mom, consider this, watching her son die on a cross. She saw that happen, and then she saw his limp body pierced with a Roman sword. And this harsh tragedy becomes the best news ever two days later when Jesus rises from the dead. And then He ascends to heaven. And that that God-man is our great High Priest. And He's the one who opens the way for you right now to bring your troubles to Him, your needs, bring Him your hopes, your fears, bring Him your lives by His life he brings us gladness, our Redeemer, Shepherd, Friend. So whatever's going on in your life, you can bring it to Him. The way is open. He is salvation. Salvation isn't just an idea, it isn't just a philosophy, it isn't just a moral code, it's a person, and His name is Jesus, and Simeon got to hold it. Finally, Simeon teaches us to wait. To wait not just because God keeps His promises, and to wait not just for the one who has salvation, but to wait until faith becomes sight. Oh, I love this. You know, my favorite word in this passage is the word noon in Greek. It's there in verse 29. Look at verse 29 with me, would you? It says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace, that little word now, it's number two in my ESV. Sentence, But that's actually the first word in Greek. In Greek, you can order the words in, in, in any order that the author desires. You don't have to do this subject, verb, object, um, rule sequence that we have in English. And so in Greek, one way to emphasize a word is to put it first in the sentence. And that's where noon is in the sentence. Now. Now. Can you imagine the joy of this man? He's been waiting. He knows he is not going to die until he sees the Lord's Christ. I don't know if he's an old man, a middle-aged man, I don't know how old he is, but I know he's been waiting. And waiting. And waiting. And now he's not waiting anymore. It's now, Lord. Now, Lord. Now I have seen salvation. I can go home. My life is complete. You can dismiss your servant in peace. Now, Lord. How many days of waiting? Now, Lord. How many doubts and wonderings? Now, Lord. Where are you in your journey today? Where are you in your pathway today? Who are you waiting for? Do you know that one day, your faith today, however weak, however however infirm and and failing and struggling, it is one day your faith will not be needed anymore. It will be a now, Lord, moment when you see Him face to face. Now we're waiting, aren't we? Waiting. You like waiting? Who loves waiting? We live in the city of the hate-to-wait people. This is the busiest, fastest, get out of my way city I I think I've ever been in. And I'll be honest, I confess, I don't like waiting either. You know, every year I do this thing in the fall. I plant grass seed because half my lawn seems to die every year. I don't know why, but I plant the grass seed. And here's how it works. It says on the package it takes seven to ten days. So here's what I do. I plant it, and then I come out the next day. Come on, you ready? What? No, nope. this hasn't sprouted yet. Two days later, really? Come on. Like, let's get going with this thing. I can get packages here overnight. Why can't I get grass to grow immediately? I don't like waiting, but God is patient. Patience requires wait. Do you know the fruit of the Spirit is patience? Hold your applause. But that's part of what God is cultivating in us. Waiting for His promises to be fulfilled. Waiting for Him to do what He promises. Do you know as much as I don't like waiting when you wait there's a joy that comes in the receiving that's beyond normal joy. You know what I'm talking about? Infertile couples that have waited for a child and then that child arrives. Oh, every child is Is amazing, but those are special moments. I remember standing in a place like this in a sanctuary at Arcata First Baptist Church in 1982. And I'm standing here, I got a bunch of guys over here, and I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And then she comes into view. Leslie Harris on her father's arm on my wedding day. And I thought, I remember thinking this, I thought my face was going to crack because my smile was just overwhelming my head. I was so excited that the waiting was over. And we were getting married that May 30th, 1982. Joy, we sing. Joy to those who long to see thee. Do you long to see him? What are you waiting for? Joy to those who long to see it. You know, the greatest hope, there are many good things to hope for, many wonderful things God provides in this life. But the greatest hope, the ultimate hope, there is one ultimate hope, and that is to be with God. To be part of a Thanksgiving get-together that's all family and never ends. Revelation twenty-one, three, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God." Do you name in there? Behold, the dwelling place of God it's with Tracy, Carolyn, Daniel, Chip. Can you you see that? Can you get that in, in the eyes of faith? The dwelling place of God. Now, Lord. That's the advent we're living for. We're waiting for. When the not yet gets swallowed up by the now. And the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our God. And of His Christ. And the dwelling place of God is with man, and he lives with us, and we are his people.
1: At Christmas,
0: we go through this rhythm of remembering Advent number one. And then we hear Jesus' voice, the very end of the Bible, promising Advent number two. Hear the voice of our Lord. Revelation 22:20. 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Who says that? Who's testifying to these things? Who says in red letters and quotation marks at the end of my book of Revelation, who says he's coming soon? That would be Jesus. That's his promise. Surely I am coming coming soon. And what do the people who hear him say that reply with? What does Simeon and saints like you and me and millions around the globe, what do we reply say? We say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Right? You with me on that? Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's say it together. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Once more. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're looking forward to. And as we continue that wait, that eager expectation, we're going to have the Lord's Supper now. So I want to just read a couple verses from Luke chapter 22 as we transition to considering (coughs) the Lord's Supper, which takes us back to Advent number one, and points our eyes forward to Advent number two. If you didn't get the elements on your way and they're on a table out there, go ahead and grab them. Luke 22, Jesus says at the Last Supper, He says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then He says, I tell you that from now on I will not drink from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. I wanna just highlight two things there, the now and the not yet, the first advent and the second. He says he wants to eat this Passover before he suffers, and then we know what happens. He goes out and he suffers and dies on a cross. He gives up his body and he sheds his blood to make a new covenant with us. And so as we prepare to receive the the Lord's Supper here, we wanna look back and remember what he did for us to release us from our fears and from our sins. But I also want to point out that twice in a year he uses the word until. I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I will not drink of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. That's the second advent. We're going to eat and drink one day, and it isn't going to be these little snacks and these little plastic cups. It's going to be the wedding feast of the Lamb. If you think Thanksgiving was amazing this year, Wait till you see what's being prepared for you at the wedding supper of the Lamb. And so as we just have a moment of quiet reflection before we receive the elements, I want to just encourage you to look back to the first advent, His appearing and His suffering that makes it possible for us to be released from our fears and our sins and brought near to Him. And second, I want to encourage you to be reflecting on how to wait well until that day when we eat with him in the kingdom of God. So let's pray. O God, O Son of God, Son of Mary, and Son of the Most High, thank you that you would come for people like us lost sheep sinners thank you that you would suffer and die in our place that we might be forgiven and brought near to god our father and thank you that you will come again to be our king and to bring us home to dwell with you in your father's house forever until then i pray that you would help us to wait well and I pray, Jesus Christ, by the power of your spirit, awaken in our hearts this moment and this Advent season a seeing and a savoring of who you are and what you've done. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon from Sojourn Fairfax. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at info at Go in peace.